The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? I am so thrilled today because one of the women that I've been reading about and reading her books and things throughout the years is joining us today from Massachusetts. She is the author of this wonderful book, Negotiating at Work, Turn Small Wins into Big Gains fabulous book for women and for men, but especially for women that really need this. Let me tell you a little bit about Deborah. She's right here with me across the miles, but I want to just do a quick introduction just so you get to know who she is and why I'm so excited that she's here. Uh, Dr. Deborah Kolb is Professor for Women in Leadership Emeritus and co-founder of the Ford Foundation Funded Center for Gender in negotiations at the Simmons University School of Business. Professor Kolb served as the executive director of the program on negotiation at Harvard, which I was so excited because I have studied there myself. And she currently directs the negotiations in the workplace project. So she is amazing. I know she's also doing videos with her daughter, who's an expert as well. So we're gonna talk about that. You can find out more about her at our website at conflicthealing.com and also at Deborah Kolb, Deborah M. Kolb, and I'm going to spell Deborah for you because sometimes it's spelled differently, D-E-B-O-R-A-H-M-K-O-L-B.com. So we will do that. And I'm just so thrilled. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. My this pleasure. is great. great. Okay. So first of all, I loved in the beginning of your book, you talk about how you decided to write this book. I know you've written a couple, several other books, but one of them was The Shadow Negotiation. Right. Another one was Everyday Negotiation. And you right. talked about they wanted you to um, update that one. And you said, no, I'm going to do this one instead. This one. Right, right. That's how you decided to write this book. Well, you know, I do a lot of executive programs for women leaders. And, you know, everybody in every company that I would deal with, Everybody knows how to negotiate. They, get, they have courses that they take on negotiation sure. with clients and customers, suppliers. But what I discovered was that for women, they really needed to think about how they could negotiate for themselves. When I start one of these programs, I always say to people, I bet you're really good negotiator when you negotiate with suppliers and clients. What makes you good? Oh, I listen. I have the company behind me. I can understand. I have good relationship with people. And then I say, and what's different when you negotiate for yourself? Oh, much more emotional. I mean, it's about me after all. It's riskier. My reputation is on the line. 
I don't necessarily able to get people to actually negotiate with me. It's not structured to do it. And so I really wanted to write a book that would help women recognize their opportunities to negotiate and really give them some very concrete tools about what to do. You know, one of the things that I talk about, you know, I, I read so many things. When people talk about women and negotiation, the main thing they talk about is women and pay. But you know, that is, I'm writing a paper now with a colleague of mine, we're calling it the pot of gold, right? The pot of gold is not the only thing. Right. Women have to negotiate. They're often asked to take on jobs they don't want. They have to negotiate about that. They're not on the screen for opportunities. They have to negotiate for that. They're asked to do extra work, invisible work. They have to do that. They have to manage often work and personal life issues. And one of the things we know is disproportionately women are asked to clean up messes and they have to negotiate for support. So recognizing these things is these are the opportunities to negotiate. I think that really opens up people's possibilities where they think about, well, these are real chances for me. And what I like to say to people is, every time, what I like to say to people, every time somebody asks you to negotiate, asks you to do something, right. it's an opportunity to negotiate. You're in the best possible position to do it. So I wrote this book to help women recognize the range of things that they have to negotiate about, recognize some of the ways they might get in their own way, making the first concession in their head, not recognizing that they're in a negotiation, wanting to make people happy. When you do those kinds of things, you don't come to the table empowered to negotiate. And that's what I wanted to help people do. Yes. And you do it beautifully in here. Thank you. Thank you. And you you gave some examples in the beginning about kind of like what kind of switched into gear for you for like why you should be doing this. And I thought that was really interesting as well. You want to tell like those three little things that kind of like boosted you? I can't remember what I put in there. I want to talk to I have to take that out. I don't know what I said. Um, I didn't go back and read the, I went back to what I teach about. So I don't, tell me what I said. Talking about three things that really hit you, you know, like, um, here we go. Like you were talking about that. Uh, here we go. Just, you know, some of the examples that came to you, like, uh, two insights came from experience first that one has to create occasions to negotiate at work. Right. They're not always obvious. Right. You know? Right. And I think that's the thing, you know, some people think things are a challenge, but right. Challenge is really the opposite of the challenge is the opportunity. And right. that is some people for they get like uh, like okay, I can't do that. You know, I gotta right. come in tomorrow at seven AM. I can't just say, Hey, I can't do tomorrow, but I can I can come in the next day or I can stay late. Right. You know? So I think there's several things that, that um that became important in this book. So, you know, when we teach negotiation, we teach it in a way that people are already positioned to negotiate. Right? You're going to be the buyer. You're going to be the seller. Right. When you're negotiating for yourself at work, there is no structure. There's no structure. You have to try to get somebody to negotiate with you. Why do they want to negotiate with you? Because you have something they want. And so the first thing that's really important is how do you find ways to make your value visible in a currency that has value to them? Why should they negotiate with you? Right. They're very happy with the way things are going, so why should they negotiate? So you need to figure out what, what I call what is your value proposition. Right. You have to be able to tell a story about what you've accomplished and what you've done and try to think about it in terms of the other person. You right. also have to recognize 
that you have leverage, even though you might not think so, right? So, you know, in negotiation, we always talk about your BATNA, right? Your best alternative. Just explain for the people who don't know what that is. Your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. You ask yourself, what happens if I can't reach agreement here? And we often think that we're in a weak position, that we don't think we have a good BATNA. But you know, the person you're negotiating with might not be either. I'll tell you a story. This is about a woman. She was, um, uh, had run all the, uh, reorganiz- the design for reorganization in her division. Mm-hmm. And there was an opening for vice president. She was asked to be the internal candidate. Um, she wasn't chosen. They hired a guy from the outside. Mm. And they said to her, we really want to keep you, Greta. Uh, what we're going to do is we'd like to give you a retention bonus. Well, she was really not happy, pretty angry. She didn't really have an alternative. She didn't have another job. She didn't have anything offered. But you know what? If she left, they were in real trouble. Right. They didn't have anybody that could carry on this work for them. Right. She was in a really good bargaining position. And you know what she did? What she did. He kept saying, we're going to give you a retention bonus. And she sat there. And he said, it's going to be a really good retention bonus. And she sat there. <laughs> you are going to be terrific. And she sat there. Silence and, is golden, huh? And he said, what do you want? She said, I'm going to tell you what I want. And she got a huge raise and another <laughs> opportunity. Right? So she had leverage there because she knew what she had done. So if you can figure out what your value is, you can make sure that you own that value, but also think about your alternatives. What happens if you can't reach an agreement? Because that is shifting the bargaining power and leverage. And we often think we don't have it, but often we do. Anytime anybody asks you to do something, you have leverage, right? You have leverage. Yes. Um, I always like to. And I tell my clients, you know, don't give up something unless you're going to get something in return. Absolutely. Absolutely. It should be of at least equal or even greater value. And so you never, I always tell people, you never want to negotiate about one issue, right? If it's a one issue negotiation, it's a zero sum game. Win, lose. You're always negotiating for more things. So there's several things that I like to say that are a little bit different when you negotiate for yourself about these kinds of deals as opposed to when we think about it just regular negotiation. Um, what is the thing is when you're bringing up an issue to negotiate, yes. you can expect resistance. After all, you're asking for a change. And right. the person you're negotiating with is probably really happy with the way things are going. Right. So I always like to say you have to come in and anchor with options. You know, we use anchoring in negotiation all the time. Person who makes the first offer anchors the negotiation. The way I talk about it is come in with solutions. Right. and have more than one solution. Because then you're not presenting a person with a problem, you're presenting them with solutions. And the second thing I like to say is, all in all your solutions, you should be trying to connect what's good for you to what's good for the organization. Right. You know, in a lot of these programs that I run, we do uh, role plays and people role play their own negotiation with each other. And we once did one we had people role play it. And then we did a little more training on negotiation. We did it again. And here's what was different. The first time they negotiated, it was all about me. This is what I want. I deserve this. I've really been great. Da, da, da. Right, right, right. The second time was, 
you know, the CEO says we have to cut costs. And let me tell you why what I'm asking for is going to contribute for that. Yeah. Or we've just lost somebody. And let me tell you why what I'm asking is going to do. Connect what's good for you to what's good for your organization. So you want to anchor with options. The options want to connect what's good for you to what's good for the organization. And always come in with more than one. Because then people are being forced to say it's not yes or no. It's A or B. And, you know, the research is clear, right? A or B, it changes the whole discussion. Right, right. I should tell you a fun story about my yes, daughter. Okay, uh, My daughter has been working as a managing editor for, for this company in California. And then she broke her foot. And then she found, while she broke her foot and was remotely working from home, she researched about traveling all over the world and working remotely. Yeah. So um, she had, so what she did was, and, and of course, mama helped her. Of course. But, but anyway, she wrote um, a, a proposal to work, uh, you know, uh, remotely from all over Europe, okay? Uh -huh. and all over the country, all over right. All the world. And um, she showed them because the, the, the name of the company is Road Trip Nation and they have a book that she helped write about how young people should be going out in the world, right? Right, right. Said, well, Elizabeth, Perfect. what trying to do is exactly what they do. Show them how you can write things right. about what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So anyway. That is a great that, example of connecting what's yeah. good for what's good for the organization. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Absolutely and perfect. so she showed them how, I said, show them what's in it for them. Right. I'll show exactly. what's in it for them. Exactly. That I could do this, but I can do this. I can write these. Right. I can, I can right. communicate. I'm nine hours earlier. Right. I'll have all my work done before you even get That's there. That's great. Anyway, she That's got great. Yes, for the yeah. last two years, she has been not only Europe, all over Europe, and she's in England right now, but... She has been in South America. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. How great. In Australia. Yeah. And, you know, and she, you know, she didn't know how to do it, but of course, learning from you and, and, you, and other of course. people, and, and right. of course, me doing it, I said, right. just keep showing what's right. in it for them yeah. and that's make right. sure you get what you want, but by showing them how this is going to help them. Right. Why? And, they, and this is two and a half years, and she's still doing this. That's great. So the other thing that I like to say about those things is when you put out those proposals, you know, you're asking for a change. I always say you want to think about people's good reasons for saying no. Right. And I always like to say you should have five. What are their five good reasons for saying no? First, if you know about those reasons, you can incorporate them in your proposal. But you can also bring it up in the discussion. You can start out by saying, you know, I'm proposing this. I'm pretty sure you think it's not really going to work for this reason. Let's talk about it, right? You get it out of the open. So then they don't say later on, no, it's not going to work. You've actually introduced it. So always have, understand there are five good reasons for saying no to you. And if you know, and if you can't think about five, think about it more. And it's always good reasons from their perspective. You know, we always like to think we're the heroines of our own stories, right. their problem, but that's not how they see themselves, right? I always like to say, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm opportunistic, I'm a short-term thinker, I'm out for myself, and I'm <laughs> a conflict-ridden. You know, people don't say that. They always think I'm acting out of good intentions and everything. You need to understand those good intentions. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I know you talk about in your book is like, know what some of the things that you are, maybe you, you don't have and turn that into something positive. You know, maybe you don't have enough experience or you haven't done something, you know, how can right. you make that? Right. Yeah. So, so I, I, understanding. 
Right. So I'd say a few things about that. One is I think that if you have good information, it really helps you when you ask, you can feel defensible. You know, so I have a case that I use about a woman who wanted this opportunity. Um, she wasn't on the screen for it. You know, it was in a technology company. It was to be the director of sales. Mm -hmm. And um, the guy had an old, old, friend, old friend guy in mind for it. Um, and, you know, the things were, you know, she'd done a few things that weren't totally terrific. You know, she had not shown up for, she had to jump in and save a client. So it didn't look like she was a micromanager a little bit. She had a family. She wasn't available for clients that much. So going into those negotiations, she could focus on all the things she didn't have. Right. What I said to her, find other women who have this role. What do they have? If you have good information, then you can feel like it's defensible. When somebody says, I'm not sure because of your family you can be able to do it, you can say, well, yes, I can. Let me tell you how I can because you know you have good information. So you don't sort of undermine yourself. Right. And I think the most important thing is good information really helps. You know, it's not just about salary. It's, you know, what do people get? What, what kind of staff do they have when they get a job? Right. What kind of background did they have? Don't go into it without having that information because then you can undermine yourself. And, you know, I always like to say, if you have good information, then you will feel it's defensible when you ask and you won't collapse when somebody pushes back on you. You'll stay, stay in that game. And you know what? I always like to say no is only the beginning, right? So sometimes you're not going to get everything, but right. you learn something. And I guess the other thing I would say relative to what you asked is that, you know, we know that contingent agreements are really great things to use, and they're especially important in these kinds of situations. So now, let's you, explain to my audience no, what we mean yeah. by contingent. Yeah. So you can't get what you, you know, suppose you're asking for a salary increase and there's a, 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 a lid on the top, I can't even think of the word, on it, and people can't give you the increase. But you can get commitment based on your performance that when things change, you will get that benefit. A performance review or performance in, review. In, the, in the income of the company or whatever. Uh, yeah. The other thing is, I always like to say pilots are really great, right? So you want to do something, your boss is not clear. You want to start a new project. He said, I don't really think we can do it. So you say, look, let me try it for three months and then we'll evaluate. The reason it's a good contingent agreement and what contingent agreements are about is people have different beliefs about the future. Right. You're not proposing this if you didn't think it was going to work. You're right. doing it because you think it's going to work, right? right? Right. You believe that. Your boss isn't sure, right? So he's willing or she's willing to go along for the pilot because it's not costing that much. But right. then when you get the results, and you also have to make sure you negotiate the criteria for the results, right. when the criteria come out three months later, then the story is there. It's either worked, and if it's worked, then maybe he'll agree to fund it for real. So contingent agreements are, are things about the future and based on people's different beliefs about them. You think something's going to happen. The other person isn't sure. That's the basis for making that kind of agreement. And I think pilots, when you're proposing something new, is a great idea. Your daughter, for example, yeah. she got what she wanted, but she could have done it as a pilot. If she met resistance, she says, she actually let me try it as a pilot. Yeah, let me, let me try this for exactly. you know, six months and then... 
They said, oh, you know, we like it better. All this work is done by the time we come in. You know, you, well, my experience is when people do it for contingent agreements, people even forgot that they were on a trial. They, they just think <laughs> it happened. You know, it just goes, right? But that's yeah. a great, I mean, that's a, that's, I think it's a great way when you find yourself stuck a little yes. bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I think it's less scary for the people involved, for both right. sides. Yeah, Let's I, absolutely. It. Absolutely. Let's try it. And so I think that really works, uh, works well. I guess the other thing I want to um, uh, mention um, is that, you know, when people don't want to give you what you're asking for. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> they have a tendency to push back. Yes. I yeah. call them moves. And I've written a lot about this idea of moves and turns. And here's the idea. It's not because people are nasty. They just don't want to give you what you want. So they say, you say, um, I want to have this role. And they say, you're not ready. Right. Or here's my proposal. This will never work. Right. Or right. this is the killer. I really need your help on this one, right? Yeah. yeah. How do you come back from that? And so our tendency in those situations is just respond. You're not ready. Yes, I am. Or, um, yeah. uh, uh, but then you get really like this, you know, you're starting head to head. Right. So what I like to talk about is what I call turns. And a turn shifts. So somebody says, um, you're not ready for this situation. Well, you could ask a question. What would count as ready? Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that, right? They just shut you up, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or they say, this will never work. Well, let's focus on the problem and see what would work. So you shift to the problem itself. Right. Uh, When people, and the other thing that I say, when people say, if you get agitated and they say, don't get so upset, our tendency is to say, I am not upset. Yeah. What I like to say is, just interrupt. Just sit there. Yeah. Just sit there. People always want to fill in. And you know, people use these moves not because they're nasty. It's just they don't necessarily want to give you what you want. Right. And if you thought about people's good reasons for saying no to you, often those come up as moves later on in the negotiation. So if you've thought about their good reasons for saying no, you can come prepared with terms in mind. Because right. people always say to me, I always thought about those terms the minute I left the room. Yeah. But if you think about good reasons for saying no, you can come in with terms in terms yeah. of yeah. yeah. It's like verbal Aikido too, isn't it? it is, like they it say, is. well, you're yeah. not ready and say, you know, that's really interesting. Help me understand what you mean by that. Cause exactly. I don't want to be ready. You know, exactly. it's like you, you do this little verbal Aikido with them so that you don't exactly. agree with them to say, that's a good point. What, Tell me. what does that mean? And so I know how to be ready. Right. Then you could say, well, you know what? I, I have done that. And I right. have done that. <laughs> and what they thought when they said that to you, it was going to shut you up. Yes. So having these turns are, are really important. I have this video that I use with this person about different kinds of moves and turns that you can make. And it's really important to know about those because I think they happen a lot. They happen a lot in performance reviews. Yes. A lot in performance reviews, you know, I don't think your performance was that, you know, they really try to put you down. And having turns under those circumstances are great. I have a little back and forth that I do with people about that. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing is, is when you really ask someone, what do you mean? That puts them, all of a sudden you've you've shifted, right? Exactly. You're in the driver's seat. And, and, you know, maybe they were just flippant about it. Right. Yes, well, I don't know why I mean you're right. But you know, one of the things that is often happens is because we haven't negotiated, if you're a person who hasn't negotiated a lot, 
Yeah. You've trained people to expect you're not going to negotiate. That story I told you about this woman yeah. who sat there silently, right. people always expected her to say yes. She was a yes person. Right. Every time they asked her, she did it. They, her boss was really surprised when yes. she didn't just say yes. And so sometimes you train It kind of throws them off, too. Then. It throws them off. And so if you recognize you have done that, then you can come in prepared to sort of deal with it and turn turn when that happens. Yeah. That's so empowering. That is so empowering. Yeah. And I want to just make sure where we are on time. I think we're just about out of time. I okay. want to make sure that you give your website. And also, I know you're doing videos with your daughter, who's also yes. right now. So can you just quickly talk about that way, see how much time we have? Yeah, good. So my website is DeborahMCole.com, and it has a lot of my articles in it that you can download and read. Um, I write a lot about gender and about negotiation. Um, I have an, a Harvard Business Review article on that called Be Your Own Best Advocate, which is really covers a lot of what we've been, we've been talking about. So my daughter, a few years ago, she's an executive in high tech. Um, she's always been the only woman. Now she's actually working for a woman-run company, and she said it is totally different. You wouldn't believe it. Um, and she said to me that she wanted to do negotiation work with me. And so uh, LinkedIn Learning, which is now part of um, uh, Microsoft, we made two different videos. One is called Negotiating for Leadership Success, which actually covers a lot of what we have talked about. Um, and the second one is called Women at Work. And it talks about, some, we haven't really talked that much about the challenges that women face. about not we have having, to have you back then, Deborah. <laughs> I would love to come back and talk about that. Because I think, you know, understanding the ways that gender plays out in your organization yeah. is really important for you to be able to negotiate effectively about it. And so we made the first video together. The second one, she's doing it. I thought she was a better demographic than I was for that, to talk about women at work. And so it's, I think that, and you can buy them separately now. You don't have to look, uh, belong to LinkedIn Learning. And I think they're very helpful. We've gotten lots of great feedback about people. Very practical advice, little caselets. They use a lot of cartoons and things, yeah. yeah. So, so, so how do we get there? That's the LinkedIn? Can you if, you go into, if you go to my website, if you go uh, to my website, you'll see the connections there for LinkedIn okay. Learning, Negotiating for Leadership Success. So there's a link to the LinkedIn one. Yeah, it says LinkedIn.com Learning Negotiation. Yeah. Right. Yes, there is. Great. Right. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, we are just, uh, yeah. Perfect timing. We we do have to have you back again because in this day and age of right. Me Too and everything, we have to talk about this. But this was a good beginning for people, especially. Can I just say one more thing? Yes. Okay. So my book is called Turn Small Wins into Big Games. I think when you're a woman and you negotiate about these kinds of things, you pave the way for other women to do it. And you change the dialogue. It's not so difficult the next time around. Yes. I have a story in the book about a woman working family issues. She changed actually the way the policy would be implemented because of what she did. That's so just think about that. It can lead to sort of big gains, small wins to big gains. Yeah. 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 Okay. Negotiating at work turns small wins into big gains. Deborah Culp, you are wonderful. I love talking I'm to you. I'm so that we get to meet like this because I've been, you know, you've been a guru for me for many, thank many years as I've read you. your books. So thank you so much. And we will have you back again. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. We're so pleased to have you join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI in Fighting for Love, Turn Conflict into Collaboration. 
So join us every week and we appreciate all of your feedback and all of the wonderful guests that we have on our show. So see you next Monday at 8.30. Bye. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You gotta fight both night and day. Doesn't matter what some people may say. Don't be the lamb's cry, be the lion's roar. Cause love is worth fighting for, I know, yeah. Love is worth fighting for. Love is worth fighting for.